Well, if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn back to the book of Philemon? As Rich said, we're starting a a little two-week series looking at this letter. Um, The headline up there, hopefully, we'll soon say, um, Philemon, uh, Relationships and Reconciliation. They're two headline themes that talk into a real situation with real people, with real awkwardness. I like a bit of awkwardness. Because I can cause a bit of awkwardness. Philemon's one of, if, if the Bible's a library, Philemon is one of the skinniest, most unchecked out books in the entire library. But it's helpful. And it's good for us. And we're going to dive in. And we're going to start with a story. We're going to start with the Ode of Onesimus. Onesimus, which means useful, is a slave. His owner is a man called Philemon. We're going to come back to him later. And they live in Colossae. So we're going to need a map. So hopefully, map appearing. Okay, so this is the the, the Mediterranean coming across here. Colossae, what is modern day Turkey. That's where they lived. It's where Onesimus was a slave. And apparently he wasn't a very good slave. In fact, he was more useless than useful. I love when the Bible's got a bit of humour. You can see Paul as he's writing this, having a bit of a smirk, a bit of an eyebrow raise. He was useless, but he'd become useful. At some point, Onesimus runs away from Philemon. If you look down back into your Bibles, you can see hints of it in verse 12 and verse 15. I am sending him, Paul says, back to you because he's run away. Or look at verse 15. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that that you might have him back forever. A runaway slave who, on his way out the door, verse 18 seems to hint at, took a bit of stuff with him to help him on his journey. Paul guesses that there is stuff owed to his former master. And then Onesimus ends up in the same place as the author of this letter, Paul the Apostle, and that's probably Rome. Paul's keen to tell us in the book of Philemon that he's a prisoner. And this letter comes along with another letter called Colossians that's in the Bible, which is also, Paul tells us, written when he's in prison and probably comes with a third letter, the letter to the Ephesians. Paul's probably in Rome. He could be in Ephesus map's gone this is why i don't do slides okay can you pull it back up for me okay so ephesus is just up the coast or just onto the coast from Colossae on rome top left corner there probably paul is in rome and that's where anesimus meets paul and they become entwined we don't know how we don't know what happened but there's certainly some suspicion that Onesimus probably knows of Paul before he ends up in the same place as Paul. And not only does he become known to Paul, not only does he become entangled, he becomes so close to him that Paul describes Onesimus as a son. Look down at verse 10. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus who became my son whilst I was in chains and that he describes him as being dear to him the useless slave 
becomes a willing servant. Anesimus, who presumably hated being a slave, and we can understand that, suddenly we find him devoted to Paul, supporting Paul as Paul is imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. He becomes a brother. And you can imagine, as these two men become close, Paul and Onesimus, they begin to chat about where they've come from, about what's happened in their lives. And at some point it becomes known to Paul that Onesimus is a slave of Philemon. And you can imagine the sort of awkward moment where Paul goes, I actually know Philemon. We're actually good mates. Awkward pause across the table, maybe. And the occasion of this letter finds Onesimus on the road back to Colossae with a guy called Tychicus. And they are bringing letters, we've already mentioned it, to the churches. Churches that have been planted by a guy, uh, somebody else. Paul's actually never been to these places. But Onesimus is going home. And Paul has sent him home. That's the story behind this letter. But we want to look at who he's going back to. So we're going to put together now a little profile of Philemon. Just from what we can learn from this short letter, 25 verses. We're going to put together, you know, the about me section on a, on a Facebook profile. Or maybe you've played Top Trumps. You know that list of characteristics that's what we're going to do. Who is Philemon? Where was he born? Don't know. Not a good start. Okay, well, who are his family? Well, maybe we've got a clue. Look at the opening words again. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, or Archippus. I'm probably going to call him different things. Now, we don't know who they are. But it's a fair guess that Aphia is Philemon's wife. And possibly, some people think, Archippus might be their son. The way that other letters are written around that time, to put a, a female name immediately there at the start, probably in most cases would say that's Philemon's wife. And we know that Archippus is a key worker in the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter 4 tells us that. But we're not sure. Okay, next category down. He's probably wealthy. Paul, as he writes to Philemon, talks about the church that meets in Philemon's house. Philemon's got a house that is, is big enough to host the church he probably doesn't live up in a little two up two down he's got a room big enough or maybe a courtyard or, or something so that lots of people can gather together at the same time and we know that he owns slaves Philemon is a man of means what else do we know well there's one interesting little phrase that Paul uses as he's talking to Philemon about this big issue, which we're going to come back to next week. He uses the phrase, you owe me your very self. Verse 19, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. 
I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Now, Paul could be talking about anything here. He could be talking about that time that he jumped into a busy road and pushed Philemon out the way of an oncoming chariot. But that's probably not that. Because when Paul talks about life and self and value in those sort of terms, he's talking about spiritual life, eternal life. He's talking about faith in Jesus. Because that's how Jesus talks about what is the most valuable thing. We could dip into Matthew 16. When Jesus says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is talking about the value of the inner person. And he says you can have everything, but it doesn't compare to having life in your inner being. So when Paul talks about how Philemon owes him his very life, he's probably not talking about the time he stopped him from drowning. He's talking about the fact that through Paul, Philemon came to know Jesus. There is nothing, the Bible tells us, of greater value than our souls being saved. There is nothing of greater importance to us than our eternal standing before God. So what greater debt can there be than than is owed to the person who shares the message of how we can be made right with God with us? This is the gospel that Paul preached. As we read the book of Acts and we read Paul's letters, this is the message that he shared over and over and over again, that there is a God And he is good. And we have been separated from him because of our own sin, our own rejection, our own rebellion against him. But that God has acted in love through Jesus. He has sent Jesus so that we might be reconciled to him. And at some point, sometime, somewhere, it seems that Philemon heard that message about Jesus from Paul. And he heard it and he recognised the truth of what Paul was saying in his own life and in his own heart and he responded with belief. This is true. I will trust in Jesus. And so Paul can say to Philemon, you owe me your very self. All of who you now are ultimately depends on Jesus. But I was the one who shared that message with you. Now it won't have been in Colossae where Philemon is. Because it seems that Paul has never been there. When you read the letter to the Colossians, Paul gives the, uh, the clear impression that he's never actually met these people. But he's clearly met Philemon. So Philemon, here he is, top trump card, Facebook profile, The most important thing that we know about him is that he's a follower of Jesus. And he follows Jesus and he trusts in Jesus and he loves what Jesus loves. He is a lover of the church. Look down at verse 4 and 5. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, Paul says, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith 
in the Lord Jesus. This is a man who shares what he has. Look down at verse 6. It's a slightly complicated verse. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Now we know that Philemon shares his home because that's where the church meets. He's a hospitable guy. And we sense in Philemon uh, uh, that description of the early church that we read in Acts 2 that they, they shared everything. They had everything in common. This is a guy who's living out his faith. We think about the, the phrase, some of you maybe you've got it in your Bible, about sharing your faith that Paul uses there in verse 6. And we think about that in terms of sharing the gospel, evangelism. But when Paul talks about that here, he's talking about what I believe impacts what I do with other people. That I believe in Jesus impacts the way that I treat you and this is Philemon that is very evident in his life and notice the impact he has he's finally a refresher so here you go this is the bottom of our top strump card he's a refresher and I don't mean that sticky sweet you know little bar chewy what is it Paul says your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you brother have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people Philemon is like that new set of batteries that we've already had to put in the toys that we got for Christmas you know that sometimes you buy toys some of us maybe not bought toys for a while and they come with batteries but they're rubbish batteries and they run out really quickly. But then you stick up, you know, a set of Duracell. Other batteries are available. You put them in and suddenly the toy works far better than it's ever done before. There's a, a refreshing, a restoring, a, a, a heating up. And Philemon is a guy, he's round other Christians, that he, he's given them energy. He's given them life. I don't know if you can remember back, way back to lockdown one. I can't remember what lockdown we're on now. We looked at Psalm 23. We looked at the description about how God is a God who refreshes or restores our souls. He heals us. He energizes us. He gives us life. Psalm 19 tells us that the, the word of God, God's perfect law, does that same thing. It restores us. It refreshes us. And right here we find in Philemon a man who, when he's around other people, God uses to to puff them up in a good way, to, to give them oomph. Do you know people like that? People that you have a, a conversation with. Remember when you could talk to people in church? That was nice, wasn't it? That there are certain people you talk to and you come away and you just got a bit of bounce. That's what Philemon is. He's a refresher. He's not one of those people you talk to and you come away and, oh man, I can't get that five minutes back. Don't be thinking of individual people now. That would be wrong, okay? This is who Philemon is. We get quite a lot about him in, in these 25 verses. So maybe you're thinking, why have we talked under the title of Change Happens in Church, 
Why have we just talked about stories and this profile of Philemon? Well, let's move on to our our final point. You've got to be plugged in to push on. The main call of this letter, which we're going to deal with next week, is a personal and a costly, massive thing that Paul asked Philemon to do. He's calling for reconciliation between a runaway slave and an abandoned master. We're not going to ignore that. We're going to come back to it. We're not going to ignore the slavery issue either. We're going to come back to that next week. But we need to see that this letter comes to a real person in a real situation. And a person that God wants to continue to grow. God is constantly in the business of growing his people. So let's look into our background for Philemon. And we're going to see this is a man who's massively committed to the church. We've just seen that, haven't we? But this is a man who's also known in the church. And it's certainly known that things are not all rosy for him. And that's going to become clear as this letter comes to Philemon. We know a lot of the letters that are written to the churches are public letters. Paul sometimes says, read this letter aloud in front of everybody and then send it to another church and let them read it and you should read theirs. You can see that at the end of chapter chapter 4 in Colossians. But as Paul writes this, we're told that he writes with Timothy. So there's one other person who knows about this issue that Philemon's got. But also, at the end of the letter, we find there's a whole host of other people who seemingly are aware of this letter that's being sent. Look down at verse 23. Epaphras, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke. That's five, Timothy six. Of course, we know that this letter is going to Philemon, but also Aphia and Archippus. I'm running out of fingers here. So even though this is written to Philemon, there's a whole host of other people that are aware of this issue. All of this illustrates the the wonderful truth that God calls us to be part of a people. That our lives are not to be, and our spiritual lives especially, are not to be lived out on our own. We're not to think, it's just about me and God. As we dive into this letter to Philemon, we see that Philemon's issues and problems and lives are lived out in the context of a real community. Where people see the good and the bad and the difficult. And that makes sense. Because the Bible tells us that when Jesus died, he died for a people. He died for the church. And when Jesus acted... And acts even now, he acts to to clean, to purify the the church. And it tells us that we look forward to the, the future return of Christ. Who is it that will be presented to Jesus? It will be the church. But the church is not just something that we're part of while we grow. It's something that's crucial to us growing. The church is where we utilise our gifts. 
where we love people and where we encourage people. It's where we are encouraged and where we are loved. It's where we are disciplined and corrected. It's where we are spurred on to good deeds. In and amongst people. And it feels very odd to say that as in the room at least we're all spread out. As though we don't really want to talk to each other. Covid's rubbish isn't it? Honestly, if we could have done this on a normal time, pre-Covid, I would think I would have just piled everybody in sitting on top of each other. Because that's kind of what church should be like. Not like this. I want you to imagine the scene. It's a Sunday morning in Colossae, first century, and Onesimus walks into Colossian church. Imagine the moment as people see who it is. It's the runaway slave. People are stood around, chatting, having their coffee. Pre-COVID times, obviously. Imagine the hush that falls over the room as Onesimus walks in. He's back. And he's come to his master's house. Because obviously that's where the church was meeting, Philemon's house. Imagine the eyes flicking over to where Philemon sat in the corner. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? Imagine the awkwardness of that. I wonder what we would do in that situation. I wonder if it's potentially our worst nightmare. To be around other people... When the difficulties of our life are exposed. But it's into this environment that God has placed us. Where our lives are being played out. Not just in front of other people. But alongside other people. And in a context and a community where. To gain entry. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. That you're broken and failed and and that you've rejected God. But also that you know that God has worked to save. That God in Christ has forgiven sin. And is purifying us from sin. It's into that context that we can imagine Onesimus walking in. And it's here that God has put somebody on the door. Who gives Onesimus a hug. And says welcome back. And it's here that somebody sees him and thinks, I'm going to sit next to Onesimus. Because nobody else might. And it's here that somebody has put somebody next to, Onesimus, uh, to, to Philemon. That just whispers into his ear, it's okay. I know it's hard. And somebody might say to Philemon, don't be angry. Let's see what he's got to say. And it's here, into this church, that Paul sends this letter to Philemon and says, here's the way forward. It's here where Paul gives him a less than subtle nudge. That's the community that God calls us to be part of and the community where we change. And God wants us to push in to the church to plug in and I know 
that right now that's hard. Because of COVID. Because of lockdown. It means that so many of us are not in the building, we're sat at home. For some of us, we've not seen somebody else in church in months. And so it's hard to plug into church. It's hard physically. It's hard because our life groups don't feel the same way they did 10 months ago or 11 months or whatever we were up to. It's hard because you can't have the same conversations on a Sunday where you do that catching up. It's hard because you can't look somebody in the eye and sense that things are difficult. WhatsApp doesn't really communicate. I'm just so tired. And so it is hard. And for some of us, you've joined the church during this. And it's hard to get to know people. It's hard to build relationships. But I want to encourage us to try. And I want to encourage the young people in our church. It's easy to see church as something that we come along to because our parents bring us. But as we begin to follow Jesus... We need to see that this is where we'll grow. And that you don't have to be an adult to get involved. To know people and to love people. And to listen to people and to learn from people. Getting involved is not about doing a job. Or being old enough. It's about loving people. And you can do that no matter how old or how young you are. If we've been loved by Jesus, then we get the opportunity to love his people. I also want to say, as we look at Philemon, as we continue in the faith, there are still further opportunities to grow. I think by nature, most of us are competitive people. And if not competitive, we're all comparison people. We all do that thing where we look round a room or look round a circle and think, I'm about here. And we can do that with our Christian faith. We can look round and think, you know what, I'd probably put myself in the top half of Christians. I don't know where we're getting the standards from, but still, we do it. And we might look at Philemon and we might go, wow, here's a guy who's he's on it. Look at Paul's description of him. This is the Apostle Paul, church planter supremo. And this is what he says of Philemon. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people. What a description. Philemon, top ten. Top five. Might even be number one in the church at Colossae. And yet God is still pursuing him to grow. We don't reach a point in the Christian life where God says... Yeah, you're pretty good. Easy street from here on out. God is always invested in continuing to make us more like Jesus. And so here's Philemon. Things seem to be going pretty well. He seems to be a pretty good Christian. And and here's this great opportunity for him to further grow and further develop. And we'll look at what that is next week. But we've all got to catch ourselves and think we haven't arrived. None of us. There is room for growth. So this is Philemon. 
And here he is plugged in the church so that he can push on. Being in the church, not the building, but in amongst the people, this is where we grow. So don't hide. Don't think COVID's great because I don't have to talk to people. Push in. Plug in. Find new ways. Because as we push into the church... We are putting ourselves into the seedbed that God has provided for our growth. This is where we grow. Amongst God's people. This is where we love and are loved. This is where we are known and we can know others. This is where we can encourage. We can be the people in that situation, in that first century church who are saying, come on Philemon, come on Onesimus. Maybe we can be the person whose Onesimus is walking fearfully towards Colossae, just says, come on, it'll be okay. Some of us need to hear that today. Some of us just need to be kicked up the backside. And so many other things. This is where God grows his people. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the church. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the growth that we have seen amongst each other. Lord, even in the past year father help each one of us here to to plug in to rec even during covid even when it's weird and difficult father help us to love one another help us to be a people who are not afraid to be known because of jesus father let us in this next year grow more to the glory of god we pray amen